Turkaholics and welcome back. We're previewing the Europa League today and we're starting off here with Malatya Sports opponent Partizan Belgrade. And joining me right now is Serbian football journalist Sonja Nikšević. And Sonja, you have been a guest on the Black Eagles podcast twice already, but this is your debut on the Football uh, Turka podcast, so welcome. I am thrilled to be here and thrilled to be chatting to you again on a new platform. And uh, yeah, excited about another mix between Serbian and Turkish football, which is always fun and sometimes painful for, for Partizan. But let's hope that this time it'll be a bit different. Yeah, how did you feel about uh, the draw when you saw, oh, another Turkish club for Partizan? Or, or did you not expect Malatya to go through maybe after their 2-2 draw against Olympia in the first leg? The thing is that it was a bit of a surprise because, uh, let's say, that to us who are not the hugest connoisseurs of Turkish football that it, it's not a well-known club and Olympia is a bit of a bigger name so kind of and especially after that first result it was a bit of a surprise let's say but the thing is that I think that Turkish teams can be trouble but I also think that this partisan squad is looking exciting enough that I hope that they can go through. So you're sounding a little bit more optimistic than last time when we spoke when oh. uh, Partizan were playing Besiktas. I think that, yeah, the thing is that I think that especially in this level of the Europa League, um, a name means quite a lot and that when you go into a draw facing a big name like Besiktas, for example, um, despite whatever form the club might be in, despite whatever issues they might be going through, I think when you go into a match playing a big name, it almost pegs you down a bit lower than, than you might otherwise be if you're playing a team that you say, well, hey, let's do this, we're at their level, or, you know? So I think that this time, again, no no disrespect at all to Malatias for at all, but it's just a case of partisan feeling that, yes, we can do this, not kind of like defeated in the start, which might have been a little bit of what the case was last year. Yeah, and of course it harkened back as well to the earlier competition a couple of years ago. Uh, and a familiar face now that Partizan fans at least will remember, Gokhan Ture, who was a, an instrumental part of, of the Bishitesh team a couple of years ago when Partizan and Bishitesh uh, faced off in the group stages. Uh, he's at Malatyaspor now, he's signed a one-year contract, he's had some knee issues, he's still quite young though, I think he's like 27 or something. Uh, and obviously when he's fit, great player, but that's been his major issue, staying fit. Um, so that'll be a familiar face, maybe, uh, and not so, such a familiar, uh, such a fond memories for for partisan fans there, because uh, he played quite well in those two legs, uh, in those two matches, if I uh, recall correctly. Um, but let's talk a little bit about partisan. How did they manage to qualify for Europe last season? How did they do in the league? So that is a very painful subject for partisan fans because partisan finished last season third. So and the thing is that basically. Only the top two spots get direct, uh, get into Europe. I mean, the first spot in the, the winner of the league obviously goes into Champions League qualifying, while uh, the other three go into Europa League qualifying. But the thing is that Partizan, by winning the cup, is actually how they secured their, their role to, to make sure that they got into Europe into placed as they did into European qualification. So that's that's what it is. And basically Partizan 
did not have the best season last year. There were a lot of changes in the board and there were a lot of uh, tensions, which I think is something that maybe Turkish fans will also be familiar with. Uh, tensions between fans and the board and no general situation at the club there there were there were a lot of issues going through that partizan partizan changed coach after a very bad run um and basically Savo milosevic the current coach who you might know as a former player who played in a, a bunch of leagues around europe and um basically he only took charge at the end of march which meant that he did not have much time to establish himself and get Partizan kind of on a different track to what they were already on. And finishing third in the league is is very, very bad for the club. And basically, the only chance that Partizan had of kind of saving their season was by winning the cup, which they did. And uh, they won it in style by beating Red Star in the final. Ooh. And uh, so... Basically, the the last competitive match that Partizan played last season was an eternal derby win that brought them the Serbian Cup. So, and from what we've seen in these four matches that they've played so far, so they played uh, two in the league and two in Europa League qualifying, is that uh, there's the kind of confidence that they seem to have brought together with that Europa League, with that um, Serbian Cup win and that title. And uh, yeah, so basically last season, the main thing that was missing from this Partizan team was confidence, excitement, and kind of like a, a self-belief and to actually go forward and attack. And it's something that was, it was, I'll be completely honest, last season Partizan was difficult to watch a lot of the time. And um, I think that from, from the start of this season, at least, it's been much better. I mean, there there wasn't room for it to be much worse. But I think that you can tell that Savo Milosevic got what he needed, which was a fresh start. And that he's kind of been able to implement what he wants. He's, Partizan have already made eight different signings and they just also brought in a very exciting Japanese forward who's uh, Takuma Sano who I think just the fact that uh, he he was in the German league he was on Hanover and Stuttgart but on loan from Arsenal and just and now he's officially signed a three-year contract with Partizan and just the fact that Partizan have signed a, a player from Arsenal is a really big deal also in terms of the club's aspirations, let's say. So I think that there's a very good chance that there's an exciting season ahead. So you already mentioned the previous round against uh, Konas Quay from, from Wales, I believe, a 4-0 aggregate win that was pretty smooth and I take it no, no big issues for Partizan to get past them. Yeah, I mean, the thing is that um, obviously the, the Konas Quay, they played very defensively and basically it was the Welsh wall in both matches and uh, there were actually some uh, criticism there was some criticism pointed at Partizan for only winning 1-0 in, um, in an away match that should have been because obviously they, they're not the club of the let's say highest order and there were there was some criticism there that maybe Partizan could have done better and that was coming after their debut in the league where they also only won 1-0 and there was kind of a little talk of there's been there have been new signings there's a lot of talk of a more attacking partisan but they've only scored 
twice and ha will they ever really get going? That was kind of the fear. And um, the thing is that even even though they only won one nil away in that first match, Partizan did play well and they did kind of manage to get past those lines. And we do have to like always kind of count on the fact that it is only the start of the season and that sometimes, especially when you have a lot of new signings in the team, especially in a lot of those signings are up front and attack and attacking midfield, that it takes a couple of matches for things to click, you know? And I think that that's exactly what happened with Partizan, that in, in the return leg in, in Belgrade, they played fantastically well, and they won 3-0 there, and then they just are coming now off a 4-0 win in the league. And uh, yeah, so basically it's been four matches and not a single goal conceded and nine goals scored. So it's it's been a positive start to to what will hopefully be a positive season so I think that there's but I mean obviously there's there's things that, that the club that the team need to improve but I think it's been a good start so far and I think that the fact that they got past what could have been potentially a very tricky um, opponent in the in Conan's Quay the Welsh team just because uh, just the fact that they made it through that first round of qualifying for the Europa League was was a huge shock for everyone and um, basically that they beat Kilmarnock and um, from Scotland and the, those are the teams that are so so tricky because on paper you are basically already through which yeah. means that you it's kind of like food situation because if you don't beat them then it's like you're going to be mocked for the rest of the season and it's going to be the biggest shame ever so I think it's very important that Partizan got past that potential stumbling block in the way that they did without conceding a goal and without it ever really being a doubt that they would go through. Okay, let's talk a little bit about our key players then. We also just got in some news that uh, Armin uh, Jedlik. Yeah, it's <laughs> a difficult Jellick. one to pronounce, definitely. Yeah, he just signed for Sivaspor. So would you describe him? Is that a big loss for, for Partizan? Is, was he a key player? Uh, the thing is that he was... Very, he's young, he, he's only 19 years old, and uh, basically he moved from... He, he's an attacking midfielder who um, worked very well in the team. He, he was kind of the... A lot of the time he was a motor of the team. He got the team moving forward. He supplied a lot of through balls to players, and he's the kind of uh, player that brought excitement to a team and that when the rest of the attack is clicking, he could be the one to kind of make sure that everyone is is kind of working together in the right way. So I think that he could actually be a good signing for the club. And would you say it's a, it's a big loss for Partizan then? Uh, the thing is that I think that um, it part of, like I said, Partizan have had a lot of signings and they've actually had a lot of signings in that kind of attacking midfield position. So I think that it's kind of been in the works that this was going to happen. I think that some of those signings were made in... Um, let's say, anticipation of his move. And uh, so basically, I think that he, I mean, the fact is that he basically played one match in the league and had one assist, which kind of shows you that he, he is, his assist was the first of the season, basically, when the team's 1-0 win over India. And I think that he's the kind of player who, who kind of, can can produce goals and be involved in goals in in a sense that for sure he will be missed but i think that he 
the coach planned for the fact that he would be missed. And obviously one of the big leaders in the team is Vladimir Stojkovic, uh, Serbian international. We already spoke about him uh, quite, well, uh, lengthily. We had a very fun story about him uh, last season, so I <laughs> highly recommend that people go and check out uh, the preview we did for Partizan versus Bishtesh to get a little bit more info on Stojkovic. He's one of the leaders of the team, very experienced, but obviously a lot of the players it's at Partizan are younger players. Um, lots of new transfers, as you already pointed out. Who are Malatya Sport going to have to be careful for? Who are their key players right now for Partizan? So here's the thing, Stojkovic is definitely the leader of this team and uh, I'm not going to give too much away because I want people to go and listen to that podcast that we did ahead of the Besiktas match, but he's a character and he's one of the rare characters that you'll find uh, who made that switch between Red Star and Partizan and that he took it a step further and kind of provoked Red Star fans after moving to Partizan. So there's a huge story there around him and uh, tensions that like Red Star fans have never, ever forgiven him for that move. Never, ever. And it, it brought tensions into the national team. And the thing is that despite all of that, the fact that he's a very contentious player, he's a real rock and a leader on the field. But he also kind of brings a certain level of excitement. Like he actually managed to get into a fight with um, one of the attackers from, from Conan Square. So basically, uh, he, after after a corner for for against Partizan, basically he he managed to get it in, into kind of like a ruffle with one of their circus to kind of. And that he's that kind of player. He's he's the one who leads the team, but he's also very easily the one to kind of lose his temper. So he's obviously crucial there. But um, otherwise, one of the biggest names that Partizan had last season, despite not having a best season, was an our 18-year-old defender, Strachina Pavlovich, who basically is kind of already legendary, despite being only 18 years old, because he's he was immense in that central de uh, defense and he basically put one single-handedly together with Stojkovic uh, he basically brought Red Star to a standstill in that final of the cup last season and uh, where it was a Red Star team that had played in the Champions League that was so uh, let's say proud of its attacking force of Boachi, of Pavkov and a lot of other names that managed to score against Liverpool for example and so on last season but basically he an 18 year old stopped all of Red Star in that final and he also did so in the other eternal derbies in the league and uh, basically already having played just that one season for Partizan he last season he where he debuted from, from the youth team, he basically already had scouts from all over Europe looking at him. And the thing is, the big question now in the club is, will he stay? Um, there have been talks that Juventus are interested. There have been talks that Torino are interested. And the latest has been that Celtic are on a mission and that Neil Lennon was actually in in the crowd watching him um, in in the in the latest Europa League qualifier, and then he actually went up to him after the match and congratulated him and said, "Congratulations, son! You played an excellent match. I've been watching." And there have been so many questions directed at him in terms of, "Will you 
Um, are you fully focused on partisan? Will you move? When will we see you um, already make that transfer? And he's like, no, 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 I'm 100%. Um, I'm 100% concentrated on partisan, which is what everyone always says. And to be honest, already halfway through last season, you could see that he was immensely on a level above the Serbian league. And if he stays and doesn't make that move now, but for example, next season, I think he's the biggest, biggest possible um, signing that Partizan could have, just the fact that he would be kept at the club. So he's definitely one name and he's just, he's very good in the air. He's tall, he's intelligent, he's fast, and he's very, very capable of making attackers seem invisible which is not something that, that Partizan has had in that sense. So I think that he's very good. A lot of talk has been also around Ognjen Ožegović, which is another difficult one to pronounce, I know. And um, basically Ožegović has been the talk of the start of this season, where he's already in four matches, he's scored two goals and made three assists. And uh, he was on loan last year in Russia and now he's brought he's been brought back and he's basically Partizan's number nine this season and he has grown in confidence and he's the one that has been actually been kind of speaking out in terms of uh, saying how how well the start of the season has been going for the team, how good the chemistry is in the club, which is something that we didn't hear last season. And the thing is that teams speak of great chemistry even when there isn't any, but when they don't speak of good, good, great chemistry, you know that something's missing there. And so far, they've, they've basically said, um, he's basically said that the the atmosphere in the team is great, that uh, it's not about his goals or about the fact that he started well, but just that the whole team is finally clicking and that he feels the confidence of Milosevic to kind of play his game, to go up front and to kind of be, be the attacker there. So I think that he, if he stays kind of in the mindset that he's been in kind of these four matches in terms of coming back to the club, proving himself, um, I think that he could have an immense season and he's definitely one to watch. Okay, so Ognjen Ojegovic and of course uh, Strahinja Pavlovic? Strahinja Pavlovic, yeah, sorry, they're, they're difficult ones to pronounce. And I mean, like I mentioned, everybody's talking about the fact that for the first time in the club's history, Partizan have signed a Japanese player. So let's all watch out for Takuma Sano and to see, I mean, the thing is that he, he only arrived just days ago, basically he arrived, he, he was officially Uh, confirmed as a signing on the day that Partizan made it through to, to this round of qualifying for Europa League, so basically last Thursday. And um, he has since kind of shared his excitement for playing for the club. And now we'll have to see if if he's already going to be on the pitch against Malatya Sport, if he's going to need kind of a little bit, some more time to be integrated. But I think that he's definitely going to have that hunger of kind of proving himself in a new league and a new team and so I think he could also be one to watch as well. Okay, and you already alluded to the coach earlier, Savo Milosevic, of course, a former striker himself. Uh, what type of football does Milosevic prefer for his team to play? That is still a mystery. The thing is that, I mean, Savo Milosevic, from what he's said always, is that he wants Partizan to play good football. He wants the team to play kind of the football that, that makes you excited to watch, which is something that was definitely missing last season. 
And uh, basically he himself as a striker was always kind of, you, you'd think that that's what he would kind of inspire his players to do as well, to kind of push forward, to push through those lines, to kind of be a nuisance. That's the kind of player he was. And I think that you can kind of see that in what he tried to do with Parnazon in those last month and a half that he had last season and what we've seen so far. And uh, the thing is that it's difficult when you don't have the force to do that. And you can see by um, the signings that he's made so far that he's kind of gotten through to the board and he has obviously a lot of respect. But um, the thing is that it's still kind of a mystery of what kind of coaching style he has because before um, taking on the role of partisan coach, at the end of last season, he had never been a first coach before. And that's why kind of his appointment as partisan coach was a really big question mark at the club in terms of are the board just signing a former player and a former national team legend just kind of shut everyone up and to kind of paper over the cracks that were definitely visible everywhere on all levels from, from team to board to all levels in between. And because all that basically Milosevic had done was been an assistant coach at, Monte at the Montenegro national team years ago. And since then, he worked at the FA. He was vice president of the Serbian FA. He was general director at one point. So I think that for a very long time after retiring, uh, Milosevic was seen as an, a football administrator rather than a coach, which means that kind of his coaching style is still to be determined let's say but from what we've seen so far he definitely kind of commands respect both from his players and from opposition players and just the fact that he's a relatively well-known international name means that um, there's a little bit more of a spotlight on partisan that there might have been otherwise and um, I think that that gives him more room to kind of bring bigger names in, bring better forwards in, possibly forwards that kind of grew up watching him play. And that in that sense, there's room for him to kind of build the attacking style of play that he wants and that I think the fans definitely want to see. I do definitely get the vibe from you that uh, this is a, a much more exciting partisan side than we than Bishtis faced last season. So. Um, I mean, it's the hope that kills you, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I know it's that. It's been uh, three matches, and two of those have been really exciting. There have been seven goals in two match in the last two matches that Partizan played, and I have to say that I am I am excited. While last year I was already a bit at this point uh, when we talked. I mean, it was I think one round later, but basically it was already kind of can we do this? While now I feel like just the fact that hopefully. It, we have a coach that might make it through to the whole season and have kind of has the, had the time to kind of start afresh and kind of implement something new that he has a lot of exciting young new players that he has that there's some new foreign talent in there that some players have been brought back from loan former players who didn't make it in foreign leagues which often happens kind of have made their ways back to partisan there are a couple of sturdy um veterans in the team that along with Stojkovic there's also Zoran Tosic who is another name that you know not the Tosic that played at Besiktas but who's Dusko but Zoran Tosic 
and uh, who came from CSK Moscow two seasons ago and who has also been instrumental in the start of this season, kind of with bringing calm and kind of linking up the, the attack and defense and who's also gotten himself on the score sheet. And so I think that it's a cliche phrase, but Partizan might have that kind of mix of experience and kind of youth. And, uh, and I think that there's, it could be an exciting season. Yeah, we spoke about Zorantosic as well last season, I think, when we were speaking about Adam Ljajic, because they were both rumored to be going to Manchester United, Zorantosic went, Ljajic's move didn't happen, he went on a trial, but then the deal fell through. So we've spoken about him too, so you can go back and listen to that in our Adam Ljajic episode on the Black Eagles podcast. Um, cheap plug right there. But uh, let's talk a little <laughs> a little bit about uh, their, their major strengths, weaknesses. You already spoke about the coach not really having a defined coaching style yet, so it might be a little bit difficult to say, but are there already things you're seeing of, well, that needs that definitely needs quite a bit of improving. They're vulnerable in that area, but they're very strong in, in that aspect. Are there things like that that are already very clear to see since he's been in charge since March? And, and, and well, we've seen a little bit of, of, well, you have seen a little bit of Partizan already this season. Uh, the thing is that one of Partizan's big issues last season was they had a lot of trouble scoring. And at the same time, they conceded against almost everyone, despite having that kind of Strachinia Pavlovich in central defense. You can't have one central defender defend for your entire team. Basically, there were there were a lot of problems in midfield. A lot of players were getting through. A lot of plays were getting through that midfield that should have never exposed the defense and so on. So I think that that was yeah. Partizan's biggest weakness last season. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's kind of what um, Milosevic has been working to improve this season in terms of a lot of midfielders were brought in and a lot of attacking forwards who will no doubt be told, listen, you guys were playing an attacking style of football, but you need to go back and defend if we're going to do anything this season. So I think that, and I do think that if Zrakenia Pavlovich does leave, which is something that maybe it's already in the works and maybe he might already be, I don't think he'll be out by, by Thursday, but maybe before the end of the transfer window is done, I think that could be a huge. And possibly, even if something is already in the work and his his mind is already on Celtic or Juventus or scouts, there is a possibility that that could be a weakness as well. Just because he, despite being only 18, he's become such a kind of pillar of this team. So I think that that's one thing that, like, balls were getting through very easily last season. And, like, the defense was kind of being sliced through in ways that it shouldn't like the midfield was being sliced through in ways that it shouldn't have been and uh, another thing is that just the fact that Partizan haven't had this many new signings in a very long time and I mean nine is a huge number and mm-hmm. um, and I think that actually sorry it's eight but I think that that always comes into question in terms of how well will this team click and will there, will there be too much individuality on the pitch? From what we've heard Ozegovic, for example, say so far, he says that the team is clicking really well, that there will But again, you never know. You never know how that works when you have a couple of foreigners in the team. There's also Umar Sadiq, the Nigerian under uh, U-team player and uh, under 23 player. He's already also gotten on the score sheet and he's great. But then how will he click with Asano? 
and Ozegovic and I mean it could end up being the trident of everyone's dreams but it also might mean that there's just not that they're just not working well together so that that's another thing and yeah I think that those are kind of the question marks in this team. And what are the expectations uh, from, from yourself, but also from the press, from the fans? Are they expecting... Well, obviously, they're, I think Partizan are clear favorites. But mm. what are the expectations? What do, 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 do people know what to expect from Malatya Sport? Because they are a relatively obscure side. Is there a bit of, of caution, uh, fearfulness maybe even, uh, before these matches? Um, the thing is that, in, in terms of Serbian mentality, we're famously known for underestimating everyone that we possibly can. And um, I think that this there's the danger there that Malatyaspor might be underestimated by Partizan from what we've heard from the club, from what we've heard from the press. They won't be, but I think that definitely Partizan will go into this match thinking that they can win and that they can go through, which, as we talked about like at the beginning, can be great in terms of when you go into saying, when you go into a match saying, we can do this, as opposed to, wow, this is such a big name, how can we do this? It's a good thing, but it, it can also be a double-edged sword. So, but the thing is that from what I've seen in the Serbian press, uh, it's kind of been a mix of caution and a kind of subdued, uh, confidence that we got this in terms of that for once Partizan got a relatively decent draw so far and that um, this could actually work in our favor to make it through to the Europa League so I think that there's kind of like a cautious optimism let's call it that and but there's definitely room for Malatya Sport to surprise in terms of that they are an obscure team, that there's very little known about them in the Serbian press, that they're, even from what we've seen now in the Serbian press, it's been a lot more concentrating on Partizan's new signings, on the team itself, and rather than focusing on Partizan's opponents so much. So let's see, let's see if that means that they're being underestimated. And the first leg will be this Thursday at 9 o'clock Central European time at the Stadion Partizana in Belgrade and the return will be a week later um, at 7 o'clock Central European time in Malatya. And of course, whoever of these two teams will proceed to the playoff rounds will face either Molde of Norway or Aris of Greece. So, Janiksevic, I want to thank you very much for your time and your insights on Partizan Belgrade. Tell us, please, where people can find you on Twitter or on social media. Where can people follow you? You can follow me on Twitter. I will happily entertain you about all my thoughts about international football and uh, Serbian football. And I'm a very big Real Madrid fan, so I like to rant about them as well. So you can feel free to follow me at SonjaNick13 on Twitter. Yeah, and some big news coming maybe from Sonja in the coming weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Sonja. Thanks a lot, Khan. It was and a good pleasure. And good luck to Partizan. Thank you. Hello, Turkaholics, and we're back with the Europa League preview. This time it's Trabzonspor's opponent, Sparta Prague, the Czech Giants, uh, record champions, I think 12 league titles. Um, they've been a dominant force in Czech football, although the last 10 years has been less fruitful for them. And here joining me right now is Czech football journalist Andrei Zlamal. 
Hello. <laughs> Andre, thank you very much for joining me. Um, you're, you have a very difficult name to pronounce properly. <laughs> I, I, when I pronounce it, I do it always properly. Thank you very much uh, for giving okay, us. Okay, you can call me Andrew. If you don't want to avoid Andre, you can call me Andrew. Okay, Andrew is the. Uh, no, Andre is fine, but uh, Zlama, it's, it goes against yeah, every. every uh, like, like it's in Belgium we have like this area in, in the country where they speak slow and they would pronounce your name like they would say Zlamal. Oh, <laughs> but I am from another part where we speak very quickly, so we would call you Zlamal probably. Yeah. <laughs> so it's uh, you're going a little bit off off topic here, but uh, thank you very much, Andre, for joining us, giving us your expertise. You have more than 20 years of experience in the journalistic industry business um, as 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 a Czech football reporter and of course you've been following since you were very young uh, you mentioned off air for probably 40 years or something i'm dating <laughs> you a little bit now but it's safe to say that you are an authority when it comes to czech football and uh we're very happy to have you here so let's okay, it's let's, a pleasure thank you for your invitation let's talk a little bit about football now Trabzonspor and sport are playing sparta prague we've seen sparta prague face turkish opposition in the last two decades besiktas fenerbahce but now uh, they're playing the one of the other well the the fourth team of the big four so to speak in turkey uh Trabzonspor and sparta prague we really know them. I think the, the general consensus in Europe is that they're the number one club in, in the Czech Republic. But the last decade or so, that really hasn't been the case. Slavia Prague won the league last season. Victoria Pilsen have been dominant in the past decade. Yeah, or so. In the last five, in the last five years, uh, Sparta are struggling to. They're waiting for the title. They are struggling, and you know, in the last five years, it, it's not about Sparta. It's about Victoria Pilsen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Recently, Slavia Prague. So, just it's uh, the story. Of course, you are right about the titles. They have actually 36 titles if you count the Czech Republic and Czechoslovakia. Yeah, yeah, yeah there are two most famous and oldest clubs. And it's Sparta and Slavia, the big rivals. Sorry, I should say Slavia and Sparta because it's or Sparta and Slavia. I just they are at the same level. So just, but it's not true for the last five years. That's true, definitely. Yeah. And uh, let's talk a little bit about how Sparta managed to get themselves into Europe because, like we said, They've been struggling. Um, how was last season for them? How did they manage to qualify for the Europa League? Um, you know, they said uh, in 2017 they uh, hired a new coach. It was uh, Stamaccioni from Italy, and uh, there was a lot of uh, big group of foreign players came to Sparta. They wanted to form a new team, and this this plan simply didn't work out, and it, uh, they they had problems in the league. Then the Italian coach left, and Zdeněk uh, Chastini took took the club and. Um, you know, the the last season was like trying to um, some sometimes trying to find a new way, and they introduced the Czech players into the team. And Sparta lost the chance to win the title pretty early. They finished third. They had 66 points, while Slavia had 83, and they they sealed the title. They defended the title, and uh, Plzeň had 70, 78 points. So just uh, Sparta finished third, qualified to Europa League. Uh, but still, I think the fans of Sparta, they, they were disappointed. It was a disappoint, another disappointing season. But there were some, some good signs in uh, as regards Sparta uh, um, on the pitch. And uh, there was the team spirit and it, the, the return of the uh, Czech players and the Czech spirit into the team. It, it helped a bit and um, I think they are on the right way now to fight for the title in maybe in this season or maybe in the next one. Yes, and... Uh... 
neither teams, of course, have played any matches yet in the Europa League, but the advantage that you mentioned off air that you believe to be an advantage for Sparta Prague is that they are already underway in the league. How has Sparta Prague been performing this season so far? You know, they have a new coach, Václav Jilek, took charge of uh, Sparta uh, before the season and uh, he wants to, of course, uh, change the face of the team and he is now working with his system. Uh, they lost the first opening game, and by, by the way, the Czech League started in the middle of uh, July, so just there were already four rounds, so just Sparta have already played four regular games and they were quite tough, they lost to Slovakia at home, then they defeated the Ablonets uh, at home, but uh, they had again problems in with the newcomers away to Dynamo Česká Budějovice. But yesterday they played at home. They they were facing Tribram and they they were quite uh, quite convenient, quite, quite impressive. They defeated them 3-0 and, and they are getting into some sort of form. And I think it could be advantage for for the for the upcoming tie in the Europa League because they already they are in the regular rhythm of playing games, regular games, not friendlies. And it could be could be an advantage. But actually, I, as I told you, I thought it would be an advantage for Pozen playing against Olympiakos, and it wasn't. Uh, when you saw the result 4-0, and Olympiakos qualified in the Champions League, so just uh, it's it's a bit tricky. But yes, if you if you think about the playing rhythm of both teams, uh, Sparta have already played four games. And what would you say, uh, who are, or rather, who would you say are currently Sparta Prague's key players? There's a playmaker and a very skillful playmaker. You will notice him, he's wearing number nine. It's Kanga. It's a player from Gabon. It's an attacking midfielder. He's a taker of free kicks. Uh, he gives the thought, he's the brain of Sparta, Sparta games. He uh, like the new coach. He pushed him a bit forward. Uh, so just Kanga doesn't have a lot of. Uh, defending uh, tasks like like deep defending tasks and um, he's capable of scoring very nice goals from free kicks uh, he takes the corner kicks uh, he's uh, capable to uh, shoot very nice uh, goals from longer distance but of course uh, there are there are some drawbacks maybe sometimes he loses the ball in a very dangerous area so just uh, but this is this is the I think I would uh, mention him as a top star now. For Sparta, there are there are the other guys. Uh, Libor Kozak, you probably know him from Aston Villa and Lazio, is the new forward who came before the season. He still he still hasn't scored. He's been struggling a bit to to uh, to score, but uh, he's an experienced guy who has a lot of who has played a lot of games like the one his cup coming against Absol Sport. They have also a new player, Michal Dravnik, in the midfield. Also, uh, he was a Czech international and he's a very promising player. They have a very talented uh, uh, Lojek, uh, Adam Lojek, the, the very talented player. He's only 17, but he's already a regular starter in, in Sparta. There's a very experienced goalkeeper, Florin Nitsa. There's a Romanian, a Romanian goalkeeper who is in a very good sort of form. He saved a penalty uh, in the last league game, and he is a, he's like reliable goalkeeper. You, he always provides a save that is like unexpected. When you when you think there's a clear chance, it's going to be a goal. Suddenly, that's him. He, he saves. He saves the situation. So he can help the team with these with, uh, with the saves. Uh, there are, of course, I, I could mention the, now the defending defending duo. It's uh, Štětina, the Czech guy, and also a player from Zimbabwe, Kosta. Uh, yeah, uh, there's, a, there's a mixture of uh, foreign and Czech players, as I told you. 
because there was the switch from from the idea that that Sparta should be really a strong international team. Uh, we, we shall see how that will be the most difficult game for them upcoming on, on Thursday, and we will see. Yeah, you already mentioned the coach uh, Vaclav Jilek, uh, if I'm pronouncing it. Václav Jilek, okay. Václav Jilek. Okay, okay. What would you say, how would you describe his coaching style, or rather, what type of football does he advocate? What type of football does he make Sparta Prague play? Uh, if I if I just might, because I've seen three of their games uh, in, the, in the league, I think like he likes uh, responsible football with... Uh, a lot of uh, passing, like teamwork, like uh, defending well. If you if you are supposed to be in some space, you should be there for the team because the team team needs you there. But of course, he likes combination. He likes straightforward football uh, with the wingers who can who can uh, join the attack, the uh, fullbacks uh, supporting the attack. He likes this kind of uh, style that would be attractive for the fans that they would enjoy watching Sparta from the first minute till the very end. So just, uh, he's, uh, he's not very satisfied yet. He, after the 3-0 win, he said that he, there are things they need to improve. He mentioned the play in the in the midfield, that he, he said that they didn't have domination even against the side of Gibram. So just there there's needs to be things uh, getting him, that, that needs to be improved. But, but, I, but I think, um, it's Sparta, as I told you, I think they are on the right way to to improve. We will, we shall see. Uh, that will be the, as, I, as I said in my previous answer. This is going to be the most difficult game. That's the one thing we haven't mentioned yet. The the stadium will be closed. It's going to be played behind behind the door, behind the closed doors. There will be no fans in the stadium, which is very strange. Uh, I've seen I've seen in my life like three or four of these games behind the closed door, and it's very strange because it's. Like uh, you can hear what the players are saying, what the coaches are saying. It's like a mm -hmm. game of ghosts, like like a training game. If you have a summer training game, training camp somewhere, and you want to play behind a closed door, there are no fans. That's that's very strange. And um, the coach, he like already mentioned it after in the, during the press conference after beating Przybram, he said that it's going to be a great contrast. Like there will be no one in Prague, and when they travel to Turkey, there will be forty thousand or maybe more fans and it will be great contrast and it could be a decisive factor I think Sparta starts at home and it will be difficult without fans and then they travel away and there will be this kind of support for the home side that could be could be a big factor yeah and unfortunately I have to say I've seen way too many of those games in my lifetime because in Turkey for 15 or so years uh, or at least a decade or so the the main thing they did was when there were like in Turkey there's like I mean, I'm not going to say there's no racism in Turkey, but like on the stands, or in, there's not real any, any racism there. But there's lots of swearing, like there is in any country. But in Turkey, Turkey is a very weird country because everyone swears like a sailor. But if you do it in public, it's I don't know. There's like this hypocrisy about it. So is there, if they're swearing in the football stands, then the stadium in the past used to get close. So. Um, Besiktas fans are known for their 90-minute support, but also uh, for being uh, vocal and swearing. And same thing goes for Fenerbahce fans, Galatasaray fans. And but I think when it comes to stadium bans, Besiktas have had 
the most in the past two decades and I've, I've sadly seen way too many of those types of matches where we were playing in front of uh, closed doors so uh, be happy that you only saw a couple of them because I've seen yeah. too many and it's not fun because it just yeah, takes I've away that always it seems to be like a game of goals you know you are still mm -hmm. looking at yeah. stands and you just you you are expecting them to roll after the shoot and you, you don't see you don't hear that this is like this some kind of echo in your mind it's very strange I don't know how psychologically could this could work I I actually don't know I we will have to see because I what I've seen was uh, two behind closed games it was the league games uh, but I we shall see, but still, still, it's a very difficult, a very important game for Sparta. It's, it's, it, it, this could lead to Europa League and to the season in Europe. This is what they were fighting for during the league season. So just uh, they will be fully focused and they will have to cope with it. Yeah. So we can definitely say advantage Sparta Prague in the sense that the league has already started in, in the Czech Republic, so they're fitter most likely. But then again, advantage Trabzonspor because the first leg is away in, in Prague in front of an empty stadium. And then of course the return uh, a week later in front of hopefully what, what will be a full stadium in, uh, in, in, in Trabzon. Um, but of course, it'll all depend on how important that second leg is depending on the results in that first leg. But um, before we get to, uh, to the fixture there, um, what would you say are Sparta Prague's current major weaknesses, uh, or mainly their, their main strengths? Like, what, what do they do well, and what do they do less well, so to speak? Okay, first start with the passes. I think they have a very good, experienced goalkeeper. You need, you need to have a, somebody like that. If you play the away game, second leg away to Trabzon, you need a, play, a goalkeeper who will not be nervous, who is capable to make saves and make the good distribution. I think they have a very good play on the wings, like Plavšić, the Serbian guy on the left side, and as I mentioned, the young, talented guy, Lojek, uh, the wingers are very good. There's the playmaker, Kanga, he's uh, capable to score from any situation uh, when he gets the ball near the penalty box, he's capable to, to shoot. Uh, there's a, there's a, another young guy called Krejci, it's not the the other Krejci, this is the same name, but they are, this is just a coincidence. Um, yeah, they they have experience. They have experience in the with, with the with Kozak, with the with the uh, forward. So just some, and also they have experience with these games. I think these these players are uh, not going to be nervous for for before before this game. Mm, yeah, yeah. That this is this is it. Uh, Sparta are dangerous side. About the weaknesses, I can mention what uh, Yelek said after the press conference against uh, the, after the last league game. It was the it was the midfield. They sometimes risk too much. I think they uh, against Slovasko they lost the ball in very dangerous area. When they set up the set up the attack, they have a lot of players in forward. They are able to lose the ball. You know in the midfield and then face a counter-attack which is very fast and Slovatsko knew what to do and they, they finished it twice and they, they punished them for these mistakes. This, this is the weakness and also I, I think it's when, when you want to be successful in Europe you need a forward that scores the goals and this is not Kozak but maybe he can he can score in the in the, in the game against Trabzon. That's, um, you never know with these experienced players you never know when they when they score when they score once then they get into the form that's, that's that's it also he like stabilized this defense he found the the duo for central defenders Kosta and Stetina in the last game he just uh, repeated it that's that's maybe uh, maybe not a very strong point when you just 
Uh, if you have played only two games with the same central defense, that's that could be also a weaker point. I don't know if the Turkish guy, Samikaya, is going to get any chance because now it seems to be like Kosta and Stetina are the first choice central defenders. So uh, yeah. we, shall, we shall see. Yeah. I, I highly doubt it because I think his spell has been uh, very unsuccessful at Sparta. And yeah, he... this, that's because because of the injury, I think. Because it, it was, uh, yeah, he was injured for some part of this. But yeah, yeah, this is, he, he came in the time and I told you about Stramaccione, the Italian coach. Mm-hmm. And uh, what are your your personal expectations for the tie, and then the general expectation uh, in the media in, in the Czech Republic, and and of course for for the fans? What what are you gauging from from the media in general? Are they positive looking towards this uh, double t- this tie against Trabzonspor? Uh, you know, you know that's just a, uh, the media. Like I read today, the Daily Sport they noticed the improvement in Sparta in the last game. Uh, like uh, they they see that the uh, Sparta are getting better in a good form. Um, actually, last season they, when Sparta were eliminated by Subotica, it was a major major surprise. Like it was major upset. Like nobody expected that. It was like like uh, getting you know it was like getting knocked out. Uh, like really unexpectedly, and uh, they they want to. I think everybody expects that Sparta are going to play better, but uh, everybody knows the the how unpleasant the Turkish sides are, how difficult it is to defeat them. Oh, there's the problem with the with the stadium. So just actually, I have my expectations. I <laughs> so difficult to say because uh, I've seen Sparta, haven't seen Trabzon. They they still they are they still have a preseason. So just that's that could be a tough test for them as well. Uh, it could be a tight game. I, I don't know. I, I would expect that uh, the first leg is not going to be decided in Prague. It's going that we wouldn't get a decisive result like 4-0 that would that would um, seal the qualification. I think that the game will be decided in the second half of the of the away game in the second leg. We might get into the extra time and penalties. It could be tight both legs. Okay, thank you very much, uh, Andre Slamal, for your analysis and your insights on Sparta Prague. Um, first leg is being placed this Thursday in uh, Prague, of course, at 18 uh, at six o'clock Central European Time, 1800, um, and then of course return like a week later at 1900 Central European Time. Uh, for those of you in Turkey, please beware. Of course, Central European Time is one hour. Uh, behind i guess turkish time is one hour ahead so it will be at eight locally but uh, 1900 in uh, in turkey so once again andre thank you very much thank you very much for the invitation it's always a pleasure to talk to turkish fans it's uh, been a, a pleasure talking to you andre where can people find you on social media yeah i've got my uh, social media on twitter i got a twitter account and i cover czech league if you write down andre Lamal, you can find it out there i have one account in czech and one in english so just if you write my name, you probably get into those Twitter accounts. Yeah, we will so add it in, in are... the show notes and you can yeah. follow Andre on Twitter. Highly recommend it. Always great uh, to read your tweets, Andre. Thank you. And thank you. And uh, good luck, of course, to Sparta Prague. Good luck to Trabzon.